When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is a crowd podcast. And I swear, when I was over sparring in America, I see the guys here, shit, they all can punch. He's waiting, 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 and it's like, whoever punches first loses. So what happens when you get in there against another counter punch? you got to learn Spanish. So why inspiring with it, you're not throwing anything? You just throw the hits in that spot, your breath is gone. Let's get on with it. I'm George, he's Deck. Hello, it's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hello, Deck. Hello, George. How are you? I'm really good. Have you recovered from your travels? I, I find it worse going backwards, though. So I have jet lag when I'm there, and then when I get back, it's not too bad. But I'm still still feeling it a little bit. I'm still feeling the effects a touch. I'm feeling full of the joys of spring, even though it's October, because we got a big episode today, George. But how are you doing? What's new? Nothing, really. Put out a little post to see if we can get some listener interaction for the name of our new little brainchild of producer Rot's segment that's going to go out a little deep dive uh, deep dive might be in the running who knows digging deep uh, name for our little episode that's coming out on a Friday where we have a little little route around a boxing subject that people might want to hear some knowledge about there's a few good names so far been thrown into the hat but um, yeah keep them coming have we had any other in- listener interaction I wanted to pull this one Quickly from VRC Carpentry, George, you know, our mate down under. Neither of us knew the name for the Australian hats with the corks. Well, VRC Carpentry has, has provided us with the answer. They're called an Akubra hat. So that's the wide-brimmed hat that are made from rabbit fur felt. Uh, and the corks come from down under. The bad news is we will not be getting any GGBC ones made up at the moment that's not in the pipeline it's quite far down the list of potential merch isn't it we've missed the boat really with with Jai last week we could have had one and he would have sported it and then we could have launched it yeah well the good news is we do sell hats already don't we they don't have corks but you could put some corks on yourself but we have some hats don't we George we do have hats yes yeah we do Dick. what are they like 
perfect for all weather conditions. They keep the sun out of your eyes. They keep the rain off your head. They keep the, the sun off your head. They're, yeah, they're brilliant. A brilliant piece of headwear. A nice addition to your rotation. And you can get them on the link tree. Um, big news in the heavyweight division, George, with Alexander Usyk against Tyson Fury being signed. But we've got a club stance on it, haven't we? We've decided. what What is that one? We'll talk about it when we know a little bit more about it. Um, I do not... St- subscribe to the hysteria around heavyweights as maybe you've gathered deck and definitely not around like this road to undisputed malarkey me being a boxing man suspicious hmm hmm they announce it like just before tyson's fight with the ufc guy is it a bit of promotion is it just a bit of trying to drum up a bit of interest? Trying to get people to watch the Tyson Fury exhibition with Nganu? Let's wait until there's a date. Once there's a date, we'll have a chat about it, yeah? We had anyone else get in touch, George? We've had Webster Hills. I think this is on Twitter. Love the pod, fellas. Can you talk about the change in personality that fighters go through, especially fight week? Is Wilder's real or made up? He comes across cartoonish. <laughs> How about calling this pet of a pod the neutral corner? I think he's reaching there, Webster Hills. Yeah, Webster. It might be. It's not. I'm. I'm. I'm really happy he's he's pitched Webster. But if something's neutral, it's a bit vanilla, isn't it? It's a bit beige. It's a bit. Well, it's neutral. You know, uh, but I think his his suggestion uh, on the change in the personality the fighters go through. I think there's a pod in that. I think there's a full episode in that. Blimey, this is a hard one. At CGZ4MJ and his name is I-MJ. Anyway, the suggestion, the feature you do to a finder boxer's name that doesn't include the letters from the word mackerel (laughs) could be called Enzo Mackerel Anelli. So now just that little challenge, I-MJ has given us a name for that. That's great. I don't think we'll better that. But what we need is a name for our Small Moments podcast. And I don't think Enzo Mackerel Nelly is going to work for that, do you? I'll tell you what is good enough, though, George, is our episode this week. And this week is a big one for the featherweights in uh, in this country because Josh Warrington and Lee Wood finally get it on uh, at the Sheffield Arena, which is right in the middle of Josh Warrington's Leeds and Lee Woods Nottingham. They called it middle ground. It lands in the middle. So in honour of featherweight week, we've brought in the other featherweight who is on the comeback trail, already an award winner in this club, but it's it's the award that nobody wants to win and that is being the loser in the fight of the year. The third man in this featherweight trio is, of course, Michael Conlon. Today, we've got to get him on because I want to know about the art of counterpunching. I know so many listeners have been in touch and want to know about counterpunching, which I think there's pro fighters out there that don't understand it. But this guy does it amazingly well. So I want to get to the bottom of how he's thinking and feeling and his thought process about what it's like to be a puncher on the counter. Today, we have a featherweight in the club deck. Yep. Right. He's previously held the WBA interim featherweight title, and he's also an Olympic medalist. He's won gold at the 2015 World Championships, and he's one hell of a fucking fighter. Mm. Yeah. It's, of course, Michael Conlon. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, pal. Thanks for having me, boys. We like to delve into some sort of theme, and for me, with you someone who's boxed at the highest level, we couldn't not have a boxing-specific theme. Yep. And I like counterpunching today, Deck. I've gone for counterpunching. It's a great idea. He's a brilliant counterpuncher, and I'm sure he can give us a bit of insight 
and our listeners as well about the art of counter punching. Mm. No problem. But yeah, you are. You would deem yourself counter punching. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, thank fuck for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> He's like, no, I've never countered anything in my life. <laughs> I like to counter that remark. With, uh, <laughs> we'll get into counter punching. What it means because some of our listeners will be like, don't know what counter puncher is. Um, certainly, there'll be people going, how do you become that? Or is it natural? Or whatever. Before we do though, we just go all the way back. So yep. you're boxing. You're from a boxing family. Yeah. In boxing all your life, just about. All my life, yeah. Were you? So you got an elder brother, Jamie, but you. Yep. The middle brother or no else? there's four of us in total so okay. there's jamie then there's brendan in between me and jamie and then we have a younger brother sean okay all fighting at some point um the three of us me brendan and jamie we were all irish champions in, oh. in the same year brendan kind of like the party life stayed a little bit so when he got like 16 17 and girls were coming on scene a bit more he's like fuck this shit then gone <laughs> um my younger brother you stuck about <laughs> my my younger brother he uh started boxing had one fight lost retired Came back when he was 16, had one fight, lost, retired. So that was that was how he went. What was it that kept you there? So the only reason I went in, the, my, the older two got brought to the gym to learn how to box and learn how to defend themselves, like like most kids do mm. when, they're, when they start boxing. Mine was because I wanted to be like my older brothers. And I just followed them to the gym. And, and the first gym we went to, I was there for a few weeks. And then the coach was like, no, he's too young. He's not allowed to be in here. You have to be 10 or 9 at least. And then I went and joined another gym. I had a few fights, club shows and stuff. And the coach from the gym, my old brother's friend, see me and says to me, get him back. He needs to come back here. So that was me hooked. Yeah. And, and the difference between me and my brothers was Jamie, when he started, he was just he, a fighter. Like, you know what I mean? I was just a little like annoying dickhead where I was like sticking my tongue out and hitting them and laughing and people would get annoyed sparring me and stuff and I just loved the thought of hitting and not being hit if anyone's seen obviously Jamie box before you're right he just loved the war yeah. he was never in a bad fight that's the thing see with Jamie as well when you watch him fight you go what the hell <laughs> why, why are you doing this because <laughs> yeah. when you watch him spar he doesn't get hit and you're going if he does this in the fight he, he'll be okay and then he goes in a fight and just has a war and you're like what's going on I don't understand it yeah so I mean what is that that's just must be. Where he's not when he's losing his head during a fight, he's just desperate for the fight. It's the thing I believe love to delve into his mind to find out what it was because when you see him train, you're going, Wow, no, he's boxing, he's sparring like top fighters and hitting them, not getting hit, looking unbelievable. Because in the fight, it's just like the red mist comes over his eyes and he just goes to war. And he's like, I don't know why. I don't know. Could you put it down the <laughs> could you could you put it down the coaching or But you had like, the same coach when you were kids? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So if we're talking about counter punching then. So you already say that you knew from the start that your style was you wanted to make people miss, make yeah. them kind of look foolish. Yeah. And the way to do that really is to counter them and make yeah. them miss and then fire over the top, basically. Yeah, just hitting them and just laughing, like sticking my tongue out and stuff. That's what I'd done as a kid. And that's obviously counter punches. Mm. So like I was hitting them, dodging the way, hitting them again and just laughing and then getting people angry, getting them frustrated and making them make mistakes. When you was an amateur, was you on the part of the point scoring system? Was that, or did that came? You know, that, that was, that you? was, that was me, uh, for the 2012 Olympics when I went in, went in the bronze and then 2013, I think I went the, the pro tape scoring. So mm. from 2011, when I came on to the, the senior team, that's when it was point scoring. So when we talk about counter punch, we mean someone throws a shot at you, George you defend yourself come straight back that's a counter like a counter attack in any sport right you've made them miss you've made them commit first yeah so you've made them commit some way or another sometimes it, it might be a defence sometimes it could even just be punching quicker than them yeah. you were a counter puncher too George mm. I think so yeah. yeah so I used to like to describe myself as an aggressive counter puncher so you try and force something out of, yeah. out of the guy in front of you How? it could be with like feints so you could be fainting then where they think something's coming so then they, they think they're countering you but you're actually not throwing nothing and then they throw 
you make a defensive move and you punch back or sometimes just pressing them, just pressing the action. So you might be using it with your front foot, trying to back them up, you know, tr trying to force them to commit to something and then punch off of it. Because essentially, like, when they're not punching, their hands are up, yeah. they might be able to defend easier. When they've actually thrown the shot, they're a lot more committed. Yeah. Mm. So you're, you're shaping up to tr try and entice them in? Yeah, you, you try and put, them, put them in a, a position where they're more vulnerable. It's also very dangerous because you can leave yourself in, <laughs> in, in awkward positions and, you know, I've been a fault at myself, so yeah. So with that in mind, so you're both in the gym very young, like from kids. The coaches are like, right, this is what you're going to do. Or is it just something that you naturally fall into and you go well this is what I'm good at and this is just my style well, I where think does that come from? with me the coaches just let me do what I wanted to do that's why I switched because I'd done that naturally myself I, me I remember it was like this my second or third all Ireland whatever it was and it was like semi-finals and I was fighting this guy who was just aggressive and the first round he came out and he put me in the corner and just battered me for the full round and then by the end of the first round I had turned southpaw for some reason and just spun hook him to suddenly spin and hook and I went, oh, that was easy. And he came again, I'd done it again. I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll scale, I'll just keep doing this. And he just, he didn't, he never clicked on. I just kept doing it and ended up winning the fight. So that was just something that came naturally. Mm. Um, no coach ever kind of forced it on me or tried to stop me doing it. Yeah, and no, I think I was more, I became a counter puncher more as a, as a pro. I used to fight four two minute rounds, which you would have definitely done yeah. as well. So you, it's kind of all action. You mm. you're punching and then punching again, punching again, punching again. So it, like it's just yeah. wave after wave after wave. So it's it's sort of counter punching, but we never really had that time. It felt like to set stuff up where you're really trying to get mm. the guy in front of you to punch, so that you can counter off of it. I mean that's that's how it felt for me, and it was point scoring as well. Yeah. So it's a sprint, isn't it? It, it really mm. was, and he was looking at guys like Amir Khan, who was the, probably the at the time with the point scoring systems the best there the best was. Best at it, yeah. yeah. And he was in and out, and I was like. How do I get my feet as fast as Khan? How do I get my hands as fast as Khan? It, 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 there's yeah. got to be another way, but we wasn't really encouraged to try and fight another way. It was like, oh, this is a formula, stick to it. It wasn't until we was pro and working with Adam Booth, who was my mm. first coach, alongside David Hay, who was a counter puncher, didn't like to throw volume punches. Mm. Could rarely throw a combination. So he's trying to make you miss. So he's got a free shot, lightning fast, explosive, punches through the target. I mean, there was loads of periods in my pro career under Adam Booth as a coach where we do sparring sessions and I'd throw next to no punches. Like I'd pick up almost like bad habits, I thought, where I'd just go from rope to rope to rope to rope. Yeah. So why in sparring with it, you're not throwing anything? Yeah, sometimes you'd be practicing defenses yeah, a lot. Yeah. Mm, you know, right. you might be working on, right, I just want to get the right hand off or the left hook or this body shot or... Or sometimes you just want to work on a particular defense. So you can't be punching too much. Otherwise, the guy in front of you just won't let their right hand go, for example. Mm. Just getting comfortable on the fire. I don't mm -hmm. know. Did either of you have little moves in your pocket, in your back, you know, in your back pocket at all times where you're like, I know it's going to work. Like show downstairs, come over the top. You know, when you're like in a spot and you're like, I'm just going to do this because it works every time. Yeah. It would rely on, it would depend on what you've seen in front of you, but also what Mick would have been doing well as a as a nine year old kid in the gym, poking his tongue out, making the guy miss. Like that's ingrained in yeah, him. Yeah. Like you can't help it. You've always be, got that. Yeah. Yeah. So as much as you refine yourself, and sometimes you can refine the technique, there'll be go to moves or combinations or punches or whatnot that you just can't help but throw. Like I always used to love to throw a right hand, um, <laughs> and then as a pro, I was encouraged to throw a right hand, and then it, it turned into like bounce off that back leg right hand got me out of jams before you know i'd never be thinking oh don't worry one along one, like like a bus like one will come along yeah. soon yeah. but it's sort of inbuilt and ingrained into your style anyway so you know something might be quite specific like we're going to move around to our left in this fight as opposed to moving around to our right 
for me, in terms of like a punch and stuff, I've carried one from the amateurs and it was when I turned south, but it was from watching Kenny Egan. You would know Kenny Egan mm -hmm. from the amateurs and stuff, Olympic Silver Medalist. Silver Medalist, yeah. And he was, he was a southpaw and he'd done the same time body shot and it got everybody. It done everybody. He'd done uh, Tony Jeffries, I think, with it a, a few times. But it just, it's a, it's a punch that just takes the life. It doesn't matter how hard you throw it. If you just throw it and it hits in that spot, your breath is gone. And uh, I, it's like my little equalizer punch where I'm going, right, if I catch him this, he's <laughs> going to slow down. So just, it's the same, it's dangerous. So in Southport? It's a Southport kind of shot, yeah, same yeah. time that I would you, Would you throw the same one as an orthodox? No. It was only when no, you were there, you were like, this for me. Far, yeah. Okay. Counterpunching seems all well and good when you're boxing like someone who's coming forward and throwing a lot. Yeah. So what happens when you get in there against another counterpuncher? Patience. I learned that from my first Irish final when I was 10 or 11, whatever it was. I was fighting this kid and he was the exact same as me, counterpuncher. I think the score was 4-3. As an amateur, at times I was the best at making people want to go home. Like you know what I mean. Just I'm just gonna wait. I'll wait and I'll wait till you make your mistake. And that's all it was. It was just who who can make the person make the mistake first, especially in amateur boxing. But in pro boxing, it is that. But you've got to set that up first. It's not about just waiting. It's about setting it up and and putting them in a position and making them throw to make them counter. Mm. Is that something that you would have to develop and and work mm. on in the gym? to encourage the punches to come at you to yeah. counter off. Yes, like that little kind of wand in front of them, you know, let's let's touch high, touch low. Also, you just need to do loads of like strength work on your shoulders because you know how hard it is because you always <laughs> put the left hand. So like, his shoulder went. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's that that was the thing, just the kind of magic tool where you can just go, right, I'm coming here and then I'm going to go to the top or I'm going to go here and then go straight to the bottom. And it's just little variations, as you say, yeah. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How did you find it against fellow counterpunchers? And would you would you get them in for sparring? I guess it depends on who you're boxing, who the camp's for. Yeah. So James, we had in our mind that James Gale was going to be a counterpuncher. Yeah. And kind of like you were saying about the patience, that was something that was like Adam Booth was saying to me. He's like, if you, I'm creating distance, I'm creating distance. So if he then goes, I don't want to play your game and chase you around the ring and he mm. creates distance, then go to him, but don't go with him punching range and just wait for him to punch. And there's periods in that fight where he's waiting, waiting, waiting. And it's like, whoever punches first loses. And I was trying to stay super sharp to like, because I know he doesn't want to punch. It might take him 10, 15 seconds of me literally doing like 
Tom and Jerry. Like, yeah, I'm chasing him. He's chasing me. I'm mm. chasing him, chasing me. And then he punches and I'll make him miss, but I don't quite land back. I'm like, oh shit, that would have been really good. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was a really interesting point. And it's it's not great for the, obviously the fans. You wouldn't really say that I'm going to fight like this every fight. I mean, it wasn't the most entertaining fight, was it? Yeah. And sometimes you get I away with it. Was, it was more fast, isn't it? Because of the build up. Yeah. 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 And because the rivalry and it was yeah. just so much at stake. That's a lot of the start of my pro career. I was just like, nope, I'm taking with him. I'm going to box these guys. Mm. I'm not going in to have wars and people have not really to start the first year I think people were excited enough because I had that Mexican type stage from I trained in LA and lived in LA for yep. a year and I was trained in a Mexican gym a Mexican uh, trainer and it was try, I was trying to go to war and I realised after like half of the year that this might not be the style that suits me right, yeah. it's good to learn it but I was seeing guys in the gym good at the start of the year and by the end of the year a little bit punchy and they're going mm. fuck you don't need to be doing this too much did you get more pressure from that fighting in the States do you think big time like, I, I swear like the first two years of my career probably changed how I thought and everything because much pressure had going on as a pro because everybody had so much expectations and obviously it's a different, completely different sport perfect amateur and I had to change my stay completely and obviously going the the, the the LA and stuff helped change that but the criticism I got and obviously with the world of social media and stuff was mental and slightly different to you George I would say you when you turned over there was this crazy fanfare and when you, you turned over it was a little bit more subdued obviously James had gone to the Olympics and stuff you got a bit of a quieter route and you could just do your business and then mm. when it mattered but for you I had the eyes of the world my god I was at that debut did you was, go to yeah it? I was covering it and it was one of the yeah. craziest debuts I've ever seen yeah. it was obviously MSG but in the theatre the theatre yeah. the one with the lights is such a great venue ah, it's unbelievable. and it was ah. packed and like Conor McGregor Sold was there remember David, McGregor turned up 5,000 people it, or it was or insane and obviously like you say the, a universal fighter an amateur with all this skill especially in America people like well, you need to go in there and chin that bloke. I'd shit myself. <laughs> I swear to God, before the fight, I was like, fuck me, you're what happens? Because you're going pro gloves and all. And like, my brother was a boxer and he tells me, oh, they're different. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, fuck me, what happens? Like, what like, gloves did you wear for your first one? Grant. Grant. Um, um, yeah. Grant were looking after me at the start and then I kind of went, went to fly and stuff. Yeah, I had the, the Grant gloves were unbelievable. They had these like green ones, all the like, custom. I mean, I still have them. Mm. The, yeah. the like orthopedic, aren't uh, they? Or, the orthopedic ones yeah. it was. Now I just wanted the punchers when I didn't want the orthopedic ones. They're, <laughs> a, bit, they're a bit more padded. Mm. But I remember saying, like, because McGregor came in the, the dress room, I asked him in the November, it was on St. Patrick's Day. I kind of put him under a bit of pressure and he went, <laughs> okay, no problem. Yeah, definitely 100%. And all. So he ended up, turns up, he comes in the dressing room, I'm getting my hand dropped and there's all this, yeah, 15 man deep and he's just going here and do this. And I'm going, my hands are going, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> I didn't even warm up. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> Everybody's here to see me. McGregor's here. What happens if I go near? I was fighting a four and four guy. He, it's not like he's just a fucking journeyman who has like 16 or 20 losses and two wins or whatever it is. Called. He was game to win like in, in the press conference and all. He was like talking, oh, I'm going to go in here and do this and all. It's, it's, the amateur shit doesn't matter in the pro game. I'm going, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I walk out and the doors open and the music is on and the whole place goes buck mad. And McGregor's walking holding the tricolor like this. Yeah. I remember like walking down the ring and I was like, I had told everybody. I'll do this in the third round. So everybody, <laughs> everybody put money on it. Just wheel it back a little bit. 
we don't want to dwell on this because you're probably sick to death of talking mm. about that Olympics. But yeah. like the reason the fanfare was so mad for you was because of what happened in the Olympics. Yeah. You got robbed, the middle finger gesture, and then therefore you signed yeah. with top rank. Did you anticipate it at the time when you did the middle fingers up that it would go no. so mental? No, I, th I thought I was fucked. I remember I was sitting in the dressing room and was like, oh, fuck. I was, really? crying, I was crying my eyes. It was like, I fucked it. No one's going to want to go near me now. Little did I know everybody wanted it, wanted a bit of that, but I was going, fuck sick. It's a bit pioneering, you know, you signed with top mm. rank, yeah, mm. out in the States. And as you say, your, your debut's against four and four, but it's not it's not an out and out journeyman. He's there no. to win. And in, in America, the journeymen are good. Yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. journeymen. No, they're they're club, journeymen, they're like club fighters, and they, they? And they all think, like, I'm going to go in here and win. And I swear, when I was over sparring in America, see the guys here shit, they all can punch. I'm like, everyone can punch. <laughs> but even the guys here shit, they're going, they're going, they're going, whoa, what's going on, what's <laughs> yeah. going on there? So, um, yeah, no, nah, I was going in, I was fighting someone who's four and four. Like, it's like some, fighting someone who's fucking five and all oh here. As an Irish fighter, you've got a better chance as well. Because mm. there's, you mm. know, American fight fans love to get behind an Irish yeah. fighter. And there's so many Irish in America. I think there's more, there's more Irish in America than there is in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's 32 million Irish or something like that or Along, along those lanes anyway of Irish people in America and no matter where you go in the world like my third fight was on Pacquiao Horn undercard in Australia and I had sold well not myself but I was like you know, over 5,000 Irish there to watch me <laughs> they've been waiting for you uh -huh. for 20 years uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like what's going on here you know what I mean so top rank were just using me to go okay we can sell tickets here bring them bring them bring them here mm. bring them there so yeah mm. that's what was happening Oh, brilliant. Mm. brilliant. So let's fast forward to some of the big fights now. Of course, one of the craziest fights we've seen in Britain in this generation really was the was the Lee Wood fight. Like, what's that like in the middle, in the eye of that storm? <laughs> now, even being fit of the year and stuff, I mean, fuck all. Of course, you lose like yeah. when you lose, it's like ah, fuck. Why do I have to listen to this now? <laughs> but um, nah, it was it was a great fight, and and you no, know, I know Lee Wood versus Warrington is coming up, but it, it wasn't so much the part; it was more fatigue that got me in the end. And there's reasons behind different things, but you know, I, I didn't expect to go in there and flatten him in the first round. Listen, credit to him. I gotta give him credit. He's tough and he showed, you know, very much so how tough he was to kind of come back and then uh, get the job done in the end. And during the fight it was just flow, you know, it was just flowing. It was just like a, in that flow state where like, you know, don't probably be in much of your career, but like in them moments where like I was just doing things and defending how I was defending. It was just happening by normal. You were expecting to be a counter puncher the yeah. entire fight, and now all of a sudden you've dropped him heavy. We're, in that we're very round. similar in that sense, you know mm. what I mean? And he's like, like, "Oh shit, I got an opportunity." Yeah, he's up. Yeah, and like he's was on the bell. Like the bell's gone before yeah. they even finished the count. The rest of the fight, you're slight. It's a massive fight for you. And yeah. You're in that. You're in that state of. Do I put my foot on the gas and get rid of him? But maybe not. Like, do I carry on boxing? Am I trying to encourage him to punch? Is he going to punch? Because he knows mm. he's, I'm, I'm, I'm just hitting him with three shots. Oh, it was hard. It's, it's hard to... It's like, it you, is and hard to control it. Though, flow state, and, you know? and the difference between me and George, he he was a puncher. I, I'm not known as a puncher. And I know, listen, my record and all doesn't say that I'm a puncher compared to what most people are. But I know I hit a lot harder than what it says and I know I can get much more respect than what people think for me to land that in the first round and him to drop how he did that went I've got this guy and if it was like 10 more seconds in that round it was done but I went the next round and I put the foot in the gas and he was gone a few times in that round it was one or two punches away every single time but I was exp expending a, lo a lot of energy like a lot of energy and I didn't really feel it until the end and obviously when I said about the puncher thing, it was like when I was defending, I could feel how hard he was trying to punch because he was like hitting. Like after I took a picture next morning, I'm in the bath and my whole arm was kind of bruised. So obviously they were aiming for the arms and yeah. stuff. My arm was bruised. 
I could feel him punching me hard, but it was nothing throughout the whole fight that affected me in terms of like hurt me in the fight. And the 11th round, and you've got a thing with a referee, I have the same thing with Steve Gray. I slipped in the 11th round and obviously through a punch, he had the kind of, most likely he had the call as a knockdown. It was not a fucking knockdown, but what that done, because Lee was fucking that 11th round as well. And if you watch how much I'm beating him up in the 11th round, then that part happens where I slip, he goes, count his knockdown. That momentum shifts in his head, he's going, I've got him. I'm going, fucking hell, and now it's going to be close some points. And I'm already fucked here. I've put a lot, of, a lot of energy into this. Came out in the 12th, and for some reason I went forward instead of just moving, trying to box. But I, I think I was, it was told you need to win this round kind of thing. So I went out, and obviously what happened happened. Mm. And, you know, it's just the little small inches, isn't it? The little small parts where you go, fuck, if that wasn't there, that would be different. If if it was 10 more seconds around, they probably would have been over. If I didn't slip in the 11th, probably could have got him in the 12th, you know what I mean? And those little things, they all tally up in the end and you have to look back on it going, oh, it's a great fate. But when I watched it, I felt sad for you. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. not, not in a patronising way at all because yeah. it was yeah. just like... It's like what you gave in it and you end you up the loser. You brilliantly, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? And then, but there has to be a loser. Like, mm. you know, what about like when you come back to the gym, obviously you gutted from losing and, yeah. and having to deal with everything else that you said about the way people reacted to it but in terms of your boxing and your counterboxing style is it like we need a little bit of refining here or in fact that was that was a brilliant performance nothing needs to change or how do we work on yeah, maintaining there, the condition there was a little, li little bit of both I knew I needed to refine some things because I made the mistake I, I'd done something which I'd done in sport and I was leaning down on that side especially when I was fatigued and that's why I got caught because it was down here and, and I lingered there a little bit too long so it was kind of trying to get rid of those little mistakes and then the rebuild continued against Kareem Gurphy that was the yeah. second one after that yeah, like a vicious. What was that? We got written down here. Thirty-seven punch combo. Once I had him hurt because I, I threw I, at the time I thought it was a body shot. Yes, yeah, I was throwing this straight hand, straight back on the body, and I, I do it every time it's born when I'm so far to bang, and it's a shot people just hate. And then went through a third time, and he ducked down and hit him on top of the head, and he stumbles back, and I was like, "Did I just do my body? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Why, is he, why is he stumbling with body shot? Let me get him out of here." So I just went and just just unloaded like as much punch as I mm. could. That was the guy who Jordan Gill had the mad fight. Yeah, he had the, the war the with last second, you know, the hail mary yeah. knockout one. And then you're back. Like it feels like you're back. Like Mick Connor's yeah. back on the road. Like here we go. And then the world title shot comes, and yeah. then. Talk us through that night, and I, and how did that compare? How the feelers compare after that one, Luis Alberto Lopez and the and the Lee Wood one? Yeah, it was it was much harder. I think mm. um, I didn't perform, and I know people go, "Ah, oh, you can say that now, now you've you've lost no us." But literally, it was just I didn't perform. I didn't show up, and what do you do? You just revert to fighting and and trying to blast someone out of there. When I'm not that dumb to have a war with a Mexican, it just happened. Mm. Paid the price, got caught a good shot, and I, and I would have get up if you watch the thing. I do get up, but Adam through the towel and, and, and if I'm honest looking back on it it was probably the right decision because I wasn't there in the head I wasn't switched on how I should have been and he was threatening if you keep trying to have a fight here I'm going to stop this fight because you're not meant to be doing this now if I look back on, on the preparation and stuff the plan was the boxing but if I'm going to be honest when I was sparring I was, I was fighting a lot I didn't prepare that way I, I prepared more that for some reason I kept getting dragged into like wars and sparring and stuff and I, maybe I was preparing like just in case this happens but just in case became this is going to happen in the wake of that, you and Adam go your separate ways. Yeah, it was yeah. like with two world title attempts and I lost both of them. I had the first one, my opinion, blind luck, but I still lost. The second one, 
I didn't perform. So I thought, let's change it up. Let's let's make something new, something fresh and, and uh, part ways. And, and I went in and I flew over here to, to London. I went into the gym and I sat down with myself. I said, I think it's time for me to change things up. And most likely I'll go to the States and stuff. And it was a handshake and a, a farewell and all the best. So yeah. Adam Booth's had a lot of fighters and then that has a an effect on the way that he trains his fighters. You know, you see a lot of see a lot of mm. similarities. He similarities in the way I used to fight, the way you used to fight, yeah. and many, many many others. And I remember when I when I left Adam, I was like, I need to add something to it. You know, what's next? And then for me, I went with this chap, Paddy Paddy Fitzpatrick out yeah. of um, Swindon Legend. Swindon Legend, yeah. And he used to love. He used to sit on the ring apron and talk about like James Tony. So I was like, right, well, this guy's gonna teach me how to throw combinations because I don't really know how to do that yet. Mm. Are you at that age now where like this is what I am, or are you looking for a particular coach now who might try and develop something else? Maybe more so just a coach who's going to bring you back to what I do best and uh, and that universal kind of boxing style of, of doing everything together. I'm looking at a coach in, in Miami at the minute in Pedro Diaz. I tried a few coaches over there and he was probably the most complete for me in terms of everything that you want, you know, in a coach who... who is a part of everything. Does every session. You got to learn Spanish. Ah, see, 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 poquito, poquito. He's telling to slip out to the right. Yeah. Like, got to try and do translate. Yeah. He does everything. He, he does everything in numbers. So he does the one, two, three, four, all that shit. So twelve numbers. So I have to get one, used two, to. Mm, wait, no, that, that's, that's French. Nearly. <laughs> yeah. uh, have you got a feature, George? I've got a feature. We've got the best feature we've ever done. This is the best right. feature we've ever done. Well, let's have a break first, and then we're coming back because I think this. This might be the best one we've ever done and we've done a few now. Alright guys, I'm Andrew Johnston, but everyone calls me Beef. I'm starting the world's biggest golf club. I want to say it more like I'm some kind of like Marvel evil character. I'm starting the world. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm starting the world's biggest golf club with my new mate, John Robbins. Tell him about the club, John. Basically, all you have to do to join Beef's Golf Club is listen to us chat about a different golf topic every week. And along the way, I'll be picking Beef's brains on what it's like to be an actual professional golfer. Make sure you subscribe to Beef's Golf Club. So, Mick, we have a feature every week yep. with each one of our guests. We bat around the feature name. It's usually, you know, play on words of the guest's mm. name. I came up with it and you came up with it. Yeah. Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, just didn't, just didn't, know, how, <laughs> <laughs> we just didn't know how to fit anything in there. Didn't we? Yeah. Be about, be about rugby, that one. And then, I've got to be honest, I landed on Mick. So, you know, it's got to be Mick. So, it's, um, you know, in the Mick of it. Nice. Um, Mick of time. Yeah, but Moby Mick. Just, <laughs> just a quiz what? about depressing songs. Uh, by a bald <laughs> producer. Uh, <laughs> right, but it's going to be... Mick Fire Questions, right? And we're going to see who can Mick it on the back foot. Nice. Right, there we go. So our episode today, obviously we're talking about being a counterpuncher. Uh, so the quiz has to be a fair representation of this. Right. Uh, it's quick fire. Yeah. Firstest answer, first wins. But you can counter your opponent's answer by telling yeah. me which... Telling me, um, <laughs> telling me, uh, see what it, happens when we put yeah, George wait, wait, in charge. Wait, wait, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm making it sound complicated. No, so, you come in with the right answer, but then you yeah. can counter it so you're, you know, your opponent can steal it. If you can name me a British or Irish fighter who has beaten 
the answer. Right, right got uh, yeah. Right, so, um, but it's only one counter. We can't counter the counter. Mm. An example would be... Mick could. <laughs> an uh, example would be Ukrainian WBC heavyweight champion who retired as champion in 2012. Vitaly Klitschko. And then to Nick Lennox Brown. Lewis. Yeah. Right. Okay. Go, right. Okay. Say count with someone who beat him. Oh, How's your boxing okay. knowledge, Jeremy? Okay. I reckon you're a boxing head. No. No. All right. No. Fuck for that. I'll be honest. I used to be a boxing head when I was younger, but yeah. as I got older, too I busy doing it. Probably don't. I don't watch it. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Fastest first. Yeah. What we just chat. And jump also, in. also, if you know, can you count to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the point. You got to count yourself. <laughs> what? You got you to finish the combo. Uh, oh, nice. Because if you okay. come in first, yeah. you're always going to get counted. Right. right. So, oh, so it's like you might think to yourself, fuck, I better know the, the second exchange. answer first. Yeah, okay, win the exchange. Yeah. Right, here we go. Right. Florida-based American with wins over James Tony, Bernard Hopkins. Roy Jones Jr. Enzo Macronelli. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, the concept, yeah. got the concept. Yeah. too quick. Yeah. Irish lightweight with wins over Pasoon, Gullimeras. Katie Taylor. Uh, no, uh, uh, I was going to use... Counter? Yeah, Shanta Cameron. Oh! oh. <laughs> fuck. Nick the point. Yeah. Did you say Gulamarian? No, no, I, I was going to say Bernard Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> he beat uh, Delphine Pursuit. Youngest heavyweight champion in Nick history. Oh, Lennox Lewis. He's nicked the point. Come oh. on. So I get the point there. Yeah, you need no, to. You never oh, do the record. Him, Ross is over there trying right. to keep up. Former Super Bantamweight world champion, Pocket Rocket. Wim oh. Pollock. Oh. Eric Morales. Oh. He's got to be a Brit. Uh, oh. Prince of yeah, yeah Naz, you know, fuck, you got, so he got his own point there. You don't yeah, get Naz, he gets, right. gets one point. Okay. Uh, Scott Harrison was also there. Oh, yeah. Harrison, oh. yeah. Uh, Mike Tyson got beat by Kevin Bride, uh, McBride, sorry, Danny Williams, the next Lewis. Next Lewis, right, yeah. Right, right. Brighton Bourne, simply the best. Chris Eubank. Oh, Nigel Ben. Ah, he got it, he got it, he got it. No, he didn't, no, no, no. it's not. It's not fucking Nigel Ben. It's uh, Carl Thompson. Yeah. Carl the Cat. Steve, Steve Collins, Joe Calzaghi. Steve, oh, you're allowed to say Joe. Irish, come Okay, sorry, I forgot that. Come on, listen to the words. The Viking Warrior wins over Alan Green, Brian McGee. Oh, Carl Froch. Yeah, he's getting fast. <laughs> 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 right. A win and loss against Leo Santa Cruz. Carl Frampton. Not Scott. Oh, at least I'll. Um, no. Josh Royden. Oh. <laughs> That's a tie. That's a tie. Um, a Philadelphia alien. Uh, Bernard Br- Williams. Uh, Roger Jones. No. no. Uh, 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 Joe Calzaghi. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, no, lost two. Right. A couple more. Featherweight world champion in 1985. Clone Cyclone. Uh, Byron Green. Oh. Uh, Pedraza. Uh, what's his name? Uh, He's famous Brit he is, yeah. <laughs> uh, Which Brit beat him? Oh, uh, uh, Jim, Jim, Jim McDonald. Yeah. <sighs> and Jimmy Peter, Mac. Peter Eubank. And Peter Eubank, yeah. yeah right, last one. <sighs> Spanish. Kiko Martinez. Kiko Martinez. Carl Frampton. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Carl Frampton. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. That's George, what, that's a fucking great quiz, mate. Yeah, That's I one know. of the best ones you've I'll done. I'll tell you what, you've got a tiebreaker as well, right? I'll go on then. So this is, you can just keep, you can just keep countering each other, okay. right? Okay. <laughs> Heavyweight kingpin. Kevin Johnson. Anthony Joshua. <laughs> Who else? Uh, Daniel Dubois. <laughs> Who else? I don't watch heavyweight boxing too much. Yeah, that's, that sounds like you. Who else? Derek Chisora. Chisora. They all Fury. <laughs> Nathan Gorman. No way. Kingpin. <laughs> we need to get King, Kevin Kingpin Johnson, innit? Big five questions, right?
Okay, well, that was good. That was a good counter-punching quiz. So you went to, just talk us through it quick. So you went to Miami for yeah. a little scouting mission. Yeah. You actually did, because I read about it and it was like, yeah, but was that really how it sounded? But you literally went there and was like, someone impressed me yeah. and Pedro Diaz impressed you. They, they all impressed me. Yeah. They all impressed me. Buddy, Buddy really impressed me. Jorge uh, Rubio impressed me, but but Pedro, his was the full circle kind of thing. You know, everything you wanted, you know, there was focus in the gym. One thing he does, he doesn't play any music when they're shooting. Right. Really? I like that too. You know, I think it's just, we're here to work. Did you ask him about that? Or? No, he said to me, I don't, I don't play no music. Hey man, I don't play no music. He said, okay, no problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like, he says, when when, when you're training, it's just you, we, we work on you. Obviously there'll be training, people training there and stuff, but he's focused solely on you. And I think that's the way it should be. If someone who's in 100%, then he says to me, I hate to lose. He says, if you lose, I lose. I fucking hate losing. That's what I got from him. He wants, he wants you to win more than you probably want to win mm. what's the gym set up like what's you know, living in Miami obviously yeah, it sounds amazing is it good uh, out there the week yeah it's, it's lovely it's uh the gym is called Muhammad Ali gym I think Ali built it not the fifth street one um, built this one who else trained there Duran trained there uh, while he was in Miami and stuff and they've got like they've built a park but there's like hills and stuff where have been purposely built by Ali and, and, and Duran and stuff for when they were doing their, their runs and stuff now they're not massive hills but they're little small hills for their sprints I would say yeah. Yeah. but there's a track right beside it everything was, was perfect now living will probably be a bit more expensive than living here uh, or living in Ireland you know what I mean it's going to be a bit more expensive and I'd say the cost of living and stuff will be with you either, but I suppose it's a sacrifice you got to make, isn't it? To, to get to where you want to get to. What, we just go out there and camp, uh, for the camp for yeah, I'll do, weeks? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do. So I, I actually spoke about this to him. I, I says, like, you know, I don't really need to be doing long, long camps. He says, well, for big fights, I want you to do 10, 10 12 weeks. And, mm. you know, eight weeks for other camps, no problem. But for the big fights, you have to do long. I says, well, okay, the fact that you're telling me I have to do something is a good thing. Mm. You're telling me you want me to be out here for longer. It's a good thing. So yeah. Mm. And where will you be otherwise? You back in Ireland now, training, taking over. I'll probably come back over and train in the gym I was in. Right. Yeah. Just yeah, to yeah. train, I mean, keeping shape. It's a hell of a division. Yeah. It's like, there's so much, so much going on. So much potential in the division for like you know a super six or, or something like that. Yeah. I think you know it's it'd be perfect. I think for for that type of a uh, thing to happen. And there's some big fights there. Um, I still want to be world champion. And I know the winner of. We warrant them. We'll have the belt, but I can't really see them defending against this Uzbek, who's mandatory because Kolmatov. Kolmatov, yeah, he's 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 dangerous for any of them, and and they there's much more big money fights out there for them. So I think one of them will probably drop the belt, and there's a potential to fight one of them as winner or loser next. But as I said, still want to be world champion, so still gotta achieve that first. What do you think happens with Warrington? Honestly, it's kind of hard one to call. Isn't it? I don't know. I've been asked so much. Oh, you fought Wood and stuff with a hang up. I don't know. I honestly I don't know. If Warrington fights completely different than I fight. He's there to be hit much more than what I'm there to be hit. But is Wood as big as puncher as he's made out? I don't think so. Um, and it's funny me saying that because I got knocked out and stuff. But as I says, it's fatigue more than anything. But I don't know who wins. Honestly, I don't know. I have people saying to me, oh, Josh will stop and stuff. And I have people saying Lee, Lee stops him. But who knows? It could go 12 rounds and. It could be a points winner. Mm. <laughs> I have no clue. Are you surprised about the rematch, the Mauricio Lara rematch? I was, yeah. I, I, I was, yeah. But it kind of reminded me of Duran Leonard. You know, Duran beat him, and then the immediate rematch was kind of put in, and Duran had been out right. partying and 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 living the life. And I think Lara might have been doing that. You know, living the life, just becoming world champion, and 
the rematch is called Nick is back doesn't make weight doesn't look like he's even trained doesn't look like he gives an effort in the, in the actual fight and I think there's a bit of that played into that fight but Lee credit to him you know, he put on a good performance and got the job done so you know fair play to him let's assume you're number one in the division in your eyes how would you rank the rest of the contenders in that in that division say one through five what how how do you see the shake-up who do you see as the sort of the best of them and it's hard because i think number one and number two is either lopez and ramirez or ramirez and lopez i don't know what way it's going to go until they fail each other yeah. i'll probably lean towards ramirez he looks like he's becoming more of a complete pro obviously when he went pro he lost his debut yeah but he obviously was coming from Cuba, living the lifestyle in Miami, lost, and then kind of relocated to Vegas and has got the head screwed on and is putting on some great performances. So, say him one, Lopez two, Wood three, Kolmatov four, Warrington five. Mm. Kolmatov looks good, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks Heavy dangerous. He looks dangerous. Yeah. Like, I was looking. He fought at late welterweight in the amateurs. He fought 64 kilos and now he's down a featherweight. He what the fuck are they doing? Like, <laughs> how, how, what limbs are they cutting off to make weight? You know what I mean? Because yeah, in the amateurs, I used to sit at 60 kilos and make 52 kilos. 61 kilos actually for the 2012 Olympics. And I got down to, I got down to 52. So I know how hard it is. And you have to maintain that then. So he had to maintain the 64 kilos. Obviously probably come down a little bit. And I get going down one or two weights. But like he's down three or four weights there. Right. You know, how, how is he doing that? Anyway? <laughs> That's mental. Yeah. It's crazy. Last bit, yeah. One more thing, George. We're not yeah, forgetting it. Do not forget it. We ask every one of our guests to give us a ring walk track so we can add it to our playlist on Spotify. Big up Spotify. So it doesn't have to be the one that you've used before. It could be anything. Um, maybe one for the future if it's an exclusive. Mm, maybe the new, yeah, the, the the new and improved Miami Mick. What's the tune? Push it to the limit. By who? Scarface one. Oh yeah, yeah. Push oh yeah. It to the limit. <laughs> That's Miami Mick. Yeah, I saw that, I saw that on a meme lately. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. Push you it to the limit. You say Miami Mick. Maybe say that one, but yeah, like, the, the do... one the one I use against Wood is someone I always wanted. You end up using it in that fit, and I would look back and go, "Fuck, why did I have to be that fit?" Where I used it was a uh, "Give Me Shelter" by Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was quality, wasn't it? Uh, I'm yeah, in yeah. the I'm in the ring, fucking Eric Horn in the ring, yeah. and the next one I'm landing outside the ring. So you know, I suppose yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's boxing. Yeah. yeah, and maybe you should Miami Mick should be like the what open shirt Cuban collar suit. You could have a full could rebrand. Be could be like yeah. Just yeah. I don't have a nickname, but top rank I've always used the Conlon Revolution. So I've just ran with that. Yeah, but like who knows? We could have like Mick Cubano Conlon or something like that. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it starts it. Mick, thanks so much for your time, mate. Cheers. Yeah, lovely. Thanks, mate. How about that then, Deck? How about that then, George? The counterpunching, we can put it officially in the GGBC tick box list. Absolutely. Uh, we thank Michael Mick Conlon for coming on the show today. Great episode, great guy. And of course, you haven't hit the follow button in your podcast app. That's how you become an Elite Club member deck. You have to hit the follow button. Yes, and while you're at it, while you're on your smartphone, on that device of yours, get on the socials, hit us up, GG Boxing Club. Give us some suggestions for our new little mini-series. Hit us up with any ideas or desires on topics that you want us to cover counterpunch is done and dusted so you can all stop harping on about that and if you want to email us you've got something more to longer to say it's ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk uh, our playlist of ring walk and the merch is on the link tree on all the socials so get on there link it up if you want to listen advert free we've got an option for you you can go on to amazon music and listen 
advertisement free. That means no ads. It's going to be like five whole days before I see you again. You're going to cope without me. Yeah, I'll, I'll get over the jet lag. I'll shake it off and I'll get back in business because it's a big weekend of boxing once again. We're going to have to talk about it, aren't we, on Monday? See you Monday, Zach.